All right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. What's up, guys? And uh, we have a new special guest today, Mr. Cody Fraley. Hey, what's going on, guys? So I don't have a whole lot of stuff to get started today. I think we want to focus on our guests uh, for this episode, but because of the time this is coming out, I'd like to tell everybody about the spring run that's coming up this next Saturday. That'll be the 6th of May, uh, day after Cinco de Mayo, the tequila day. And uh, that's the uh, Kentucky Derby is the same weekend every year. And we go out and we go bar to bar and the women wear their fancy hats and we drink mint juleps and everything. It's kind of like a Illinois version of the Kentucky Derby, but with cars instead uh, instead of horses. So that's coming up. And then Saturday, May 13th in Mattoon, there's the Peterson Park Car Show. Um, that's going to be just a little get-together. They were telling us about it at the, uh, the swap meet in Altamont a couple weeks ago. Uh, dash plaques, awards, best of show, 50-50, motorcycles, no alcohol, no burnouts, rain or shine, uh, $15. goes from 9 to noon. So uh, that's pretty much all I got for uh, the... Current events, Dozer, do you have anything? Uh, just current events. Uh, Sam kind of helped me get uh, the tractor and implements ready for planting food plots this year. So we kind of got farming on our mind. It is fully into farming season. Quote, unquote. Uh, you know, we plant a whole four acres, so it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, big and, time. Yes. Uh, and then let the deer eat it all. Yeah. So we kind of had that going on. I was trying to think if there's anything else. Just been super busy. Kind of kind of left you guys hanging a week, uh, another week without a podcast. Had a had a sewer issue, flooded basement. Um, got it all cleaned up so that we could get back in the studio. Yeah, you can so. barely smell the turds down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, this week we have Mr. Cody Fraley on. So um, I guess give us a little thirty second. Uh, who is Cody Fraley, and uh, why do we need to know who he is? Um, well, I guess um, I was forced to be on this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a dungeon. Puts gun, puts gun down. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, I don't know. I guess 1993, I fell off my first bicycle, scraped my first knee. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, you know, I grew up normal kid, I guess, sports, athletics. Um, ran into the wrong kids, um, trying to fit in, uh, got addicted to drugs and went down a rough path for a long time. And, um, you know, uh, found a higher power, I guess, and kind of changed my life and, and moved on from there and, uh, landed in the car business and it's, uh, changed everything about me in my life. So I'm super grateful to be in it. Awesome. We can definitely dig into that a little bit later, but uh, I think we're going to start off with the guest questionnaire so those you want to do the honors sure so uh how do you know me and sam um so i actually uh know dozer i guess through the uh jedco uh, yes. promotional products i'm actually work at dan hecht i'm across the street but uh i ran into him a couple times and then sam i know does uh absolute badass burnouts <laughs> so uh, i'm gonna have to give credit where credit's due um you know and also, mutual friends a lot on Facebook, and uh, Taylor Veach is my girlfriend, so you know we know. Yeah, uh, Taylor's a great asset. She uh, she helps a lot of us out, so she has 
a lot of, she's an entrepreneur herself. She has a cleaning business. So Mm -hmm. she cleans my house as well as a bunch of my friends' houses. Um, And she's also a property manager. Mm -hmm. So she's taking care of uh, Cody's properties. And did you get her? Yes. Okay. So she's taking care of your new rental. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then. A lot better than I would have. I know that. Yeah. She's uh, definitely a go-getter, man, for sure. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool that I think she told me that she kind of twisted your arm, told you that you had to be on this podcast. So I hope you don't feel forced to be on here, but uh, we're no. glad to have you. So Yeah, no, definitely. I'm honored too, man. It uh, means a lot. So, and he, he had posted something about, you know, coming from a life of uh, bad decisions and, and getting back on top of it on Facebook. And, and, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I was, I was drawn to it. And I read a lot of business books, sales books, and Grant Cardone is, you know, a guy who did that too. I, I don't know if he went to jail, but he, I think he got beat up one time really bad and, and that kind of turned him around and he just, you know, kind of focused his energy on, on being awesome. So I, I know that story, you know, I'd, I'd read that and some of his books and, and I thought this was kind of relatable and I was just kind of drawn to, you know, learn more and, and kind of get to know Cody. 10 X baby. That's right. <laughs> so what is your occupation? Um, I am a car salesman. I work over at Dan Hecht and I sell cars. Yeah. Did, did you ever think you'd be a car salesman when you're, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, I, not everybody, a lot of people don't like salesmen, but you know, me and Sam are salesmen, you're salesmen. You, you kind of get a bad, a bad rap a little bit, but. Yep. I think we're compared to, um, uh, lawyers or going to the dentist office. <laughs> Anything's better than the DMV though. So I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't take two hours. So, um, I guess, um, do you want to go with the next question or you want to kind of go on a tangent of how we got into car sales or, uh, we we'll get, we'll get in that a little long, a little down further. I okay. Guess. All right. So, uh, what are your hobbies? My hobbies? Um, if I'm not married to the car lot, I guess I'm, I'm raising kids. Um, I'm very, uh, focused on my community now. So my son's six. Um, so he's getting into, you know, uh, t-ball and basketball and sports. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to do the coaching thing and helping out um, in the community. I'm from Altamont, so okay, gotcha. Uh, I kind of stay stuck in that community there and um, try to just help the kids. You know, remember where I came from, and I think sports is a good way to to teach kids. You know, the right right ways of yeah, working hard and sportsmanship and yep, being a team yeah, player. I can see that. Yeah, I've seen on Facebook you do some coaching and stuff too. Is that right? Yep. So I just Taylor kind of twisted my arm on it, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm glad that she did because it's it's awesome being able to give back and you know seeing the kids excel and get excited about making a shot or hitting the ball. You know, it's just kind of brings you back to the good days. What right. What do your hours look like? Work. And then like after work, what, what's that, what's kind of a, a typical day and week look like for Cody? So I kind of got like banker hours, I'd say, you know, I work eight to five thirty. Um, I'm off on Tuesdays and Tuesdays are strictly family day. Um, okay. you know, Tuesdays and Sundays, otherwise I'm at the car lot helping people out. Gotcha. Do you have to deal with Kyle Willenberg at all over there? <laughs> ah, yes. I just uh, ran into him today, actually, man. Kyle's okay. a good dude. Yeah. He treats me pretty good. Um, 
he's busy all the time it seems like though yeah. i mean he's always got a lot full of cars mm -hmm. and the new shop he's got and everything too so absolutely it's yeah, great so what was your first car first car um so it was an 01 Astro minivan. Hi. Uh, Hell yes. Yes. It was loaded out as a shagging wagon, you know? Um, and then me and my buddies road tripped a couple times, and um, I ended up uh, locking up the engine. Um, you got to put oil on them. Yeah. Apparently, like whenever you ramp the railroad tracks going like 80, um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Bubble gum doesn't work underneath the oil pan, so no, no, definitely yeah, not. It was awesome. So we ditched the booze and we uh, went home until they showed up. So, <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much killed that. That that was it. But after that, I got a BMW 325iS, okay, red two door coupe. Um, I put Rockford Fosgates in it. I thought I was like the best <laughs> thing out there, you know. I think we all went through that car audio phase. I think everybody did. I know I for sure did. Mm -hmm. I still got subs, but I, I got a Highlander now, so there's nice. not much room for it. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Go figure, working at Dan Heck, you drive a Toyota. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did have a Charger before, and they told me I need to drive what I sell, so. Yeah, Fair enough. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, but Mopar's got a mean engine in it, and the Hemi's a, uh, Yeah. They're good for burnouts, for sure. <laughs> and unfortunately, Chevy doesn't have any V8 four-door cars, do they? No, nah, I don't. The Camaro, I guess, would but be that's that. not door, though. That's two-door, yeah. Yep. That's right. Yep. So the, you got to have the you know, four doors for family man stuff, so. Yeah. Islander it is. Dadmobile. So if Chevrolet's listening, which I know they are, you need to step up your uh, your lineup here. Yeah, and get... we, we've got a bunch of middle-aged guys that need uh, sports cars with four doors, you know. For that way they can life. justify it to, for the family mm -hmm. car, yep. Yeah. That's right. Hashtag grocery getter. Yeah, the, uh, the faster your car is, the quicker you can get home and see your kids. So, you know, it's all about the kids. That's Jeremy, Cla Jeremy yes. Clarkson made a whole spiel about that. Yeah. Like, if you drive a slow car, you'll be in traffic for hours. If you drive a very, very fast car, you can get home quickly and spend time with your family. It's more quality time. <laughs> uh, well, so that was your first car. What was your first sales job? My first sales job? Um, legal or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, hey, hey, you, whatever you want to get into there. Okay. I, like I said, I've kind of met the wrong people and, you know, just got into weed. Um, and then after that, my first sales job was actually... I was a telemarketer. Okay. Um, okay. That's. I worked for Yellow Book. Okay. You know, like selling the 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 ads in the Yellow Book. Selling okay. the ads in the Yellow Book. Yep. Um, it helped him, you know, learn to take rejection. Probably pretty good. Oh yeah, definitely so, got some pretty thick skin. So so let's do some <laughs> let's do some role playing. Like call call me real fast. Like your Yellow Book. Like give me like the three minute sales pitch to sell me an ad. All right. So ring ring. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up, man? Is this uh, is this Sam? Uh, yeah. Who's this? Hey, Sam. This is Cody from Yellow Book. Click. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Lost go ahead. another one. <laughs> Next caller. <laughs> so, what what do you do, Cody? Um, so hey, man, I'm just filling you in. You know, your ad looked really good last year. Want to make sure you're happy with it. Um, does it look good for you? Um, Sam, your ad like the one that I've already got now. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Just I, thought, I thought it was lame. Can we make it 
Any better? Absolutely, man. 100%. I got your back for life. What do you want to do with it? Um, I want to spend another $15, but I want to get 1,000 more customers this year. Yep. Get in line, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you, you would call... Would you do cold calling or repeat customers or just so I, I kind of had a database, but like as far as like repeat customers, um, that's pretty much what they stuck me on like a campaign and uh, just made sure people were happy with the product, honestly, you know. So I basically you got a really good start in customer satisfaction that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, or they really hated Yellow Book and they never wanted to be called again. So <laughs> <laughs> again, learning to deal with rejection. Yep. That's, that's the number one thing for a salesman is yeah. getting rejected. So Yeah, you definitely got have thick skin, man, because it's, it's not for everybody. You just get used to it at some point, though. So then what did you do after Yellow Book? Um, so after Yellow Book, I ran into the booze problem for a little bit, um, and um, I did not have very many jobs I stayed at too long. Okay. Um, I got into washing dishes and then i got into wanting to serve so i started serving tables okay um learning you know customer satisfaction stuff like that um and i just went down a rough path for quite some time until i ended up in the car business i guess what uh what attracted you to the car business? Honestly, dude, I there was nothing that attracted me to the car <laughs> business. I thought they were the slimiest, sleaziest people out there. Um, you know, um, I heard all the bad stories about car salesmen, and I was like, oh, God, you know. Um, so I was selling lawn care at Weed Man. It's okay. legal, I swear to God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> is it like a true green type service? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I was like selling. Totally like, legal. Right. Selling like the lawn care applications for people. And, um, you know, me and the boss were kind of, my son went through some complications at birth. So I wanted to be there for him as much as I could. Sure. I started going part time and he's like, hey, I really need you full time. And um, we kind of just, we didn't see eye to eye. Yeah. You know, and I was sitting on there. I went back after we had this little discussion, you know, come to Jesus meeting. And um, I was sitting in there and I seen on the laptop, it says on the side, you know, those little ads that pop up and, you know, it's like um, you're talking about doing something and all of a sudden. Oh, the targeted ads. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Magically, yeah. you know, an Indeed application pops up and it says, are you tired of dead end jobs? Are you looking for a career? Are you looking for a change? This thing knows me. <laughs> what? <My> Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, so I click on it and it's like uh, Hendershot Chrysler and Champagne's looking for a car salesman. And I'm like, what the hell? A car salesman? Like, I don't know. I'll just apply for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't I don't have too much of a background as far as like college education or like I never went to Harvard or anything like that, you know. Right. Um I just learn from people. Um and uh learn by doing is one of the best ways in my opinion. Yep. Fucking up a lot. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did pretty good at that. Yep. So afterwards, um, you know, I just I applied a little bit. Um and I was like, screw it. I don't really know. And it says like put in your resume or cover letter and I'm like the hell well, is that? Yeah, I don't have much going for me, you know. So I put, "Are you ready for a rock star?" and put two question marks. Hell yes! Right, try to make it a little engaging. Yeah. And uh, the dude called me up and he's like, "Dude, my boss wants to meet you, man." He's like, "Is there any way you can come in and just have a five second chat with us?" You know, and I'm I know like, the feeling. I'm like five seconds. Like, okay, sure. You know, fuck it. And so uh, we set up a time. I went in there. 
And I was trying to be super professional because I've never, like, car dealerships are nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, marble yeah. floors and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, I've never stepped in a place like this before, you know? And I go in there and um, nice secretary lady greeting me and all that good jazz. Anyway, I go meet the guy and he's like, you know, tell me about yourself. The, the million dollar question, right? Tell, uh-huh. me, tell uh-huh. me about yourself. And you're like, sell me this pin. Oh, yeah. You know? So... It wasn't anything like that, though. He went in, and he's just like, hey, man. He's like, just just tell me about yourself. You know, Why are you here? Why do you want to sell cars? I'm like, honestly, dude, I'm, I don't know if I want to sell cars. I said, I just <laughs> I put in this information. I don't know shit about cars, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, things have changed now. Right, you right. Know? But at the time, I didn't know anything. I knew that they had an engine. I knew that they had four tires, four doors, or two doors. Um, that was about it, honestly. I wasn't a big car guru, and um, I was trying to like sound super professional and this and that. And he's like, "Dude, you got a gap in your history. Like, come on, man, tell me what's going on. Tell me who you really are." Mm-hmm. And I just he was him. looking for the story we were looking for. Exactly right. And so I, I, I sat there and I was like, "Dude, maybe this is an opportunity to change my life. Maybe this is something God brought me to." And um, so anyway. I just told him who I was, you know, I just told him I started out in sports as I was educated and, you know, student council and sports and straight A's. And then I just chose the wrong path and went down a dark path, dropped out of school and uh, just it was rough for a long time. And um, I never thought there was another light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm out. I'm doing good. I just need some help. And um, I'll listen. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I just I want to change in my life. I want something different. And he's like, all right. He's like, why don't you show up on Monday? I'm like, okay. And he's like, show up in a shirt and tie. All right. So this time I didn't I'm, have one. No, I didn't have one. I didn't even know how to tie a tie. You know okay, what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so he's like, what do you mean you don't have a tie? I'm like, he's like, you're showing up for a sales job. I'm like, I am showing up for a sales job. And he's like, all right. He's like, show up Monday, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll get you taken care of. So I showed up. He took me to Kohl's, uh, bought me a sh- one of them shirt and tie things that yeah, are like, like in, the a, combo. in a package together. Yeah, yeah. Nice. combo or okay. whatever, you know. And I was feeling official, I guess, you know. <laughs> and uh, But I told him the story. I just said, dude, I'm in a halfway house. I can't afford that stuff. You know, I just, I really need a job right now. And he's like, it's fine, man. I'll get you taken care of. And I remember... Um, It was like 2017, I think, uh, when I first got into it, man, and it just it, it changed my life. You know, it really did. And this uh, is it. This is it, Dan Heck. This happened. No, this is this oh the champagne, champagne place. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of caused some ruckus around here. You know, um, made a name for myself that wasn't as good, and so I uh, needed some help, and I asked the judge for some help. You know, I said, you know, I've I've been down. Um, I've been through the correction status stuff, and it just it hasn't changed me. You know, I need something different. I need rehab. I I got a problem. And, um, you know, that day he's like, no, you don't. He's like, you need to go back to prison. And I'm like, dude, come on, help me out, you know, a little bit. Absolutely. And I go there and then the CEO's like, hey, man, you know what you need to do? You need to get on your knees. And I'm like, what? Like, what'd you say to me? Like, <laughs> it was fighting words, That's right? Not, yeah, yeah, I'm a county, dude. Come on, you know? And he's like, no, 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 not like that. He's like, you need to pray, man. You need to talk to God, man. You need to ask him for help, you know? And like, lo and behold, man, I'm sitting there, it's Tuesday, the book cart's coming by, and I'm like, 
you know, God, whoever you are, I don't even know who you are right now. Um, I made a mess of my life. I really need some help. I, I want to change, you know, just show me the way, show me a path. And it was, I don't know if I get Jesus-y on you guys or anything like no, that. No, that's all right. Go for it, 100%. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two. it says, and Jesus answered, have faith in God. Yeah. Right? So that's when I pulled that Bible out, that's what it, the book cart was the only book on there was the, the Bible on the second shelf. And I asked for a sign. There it is. There it is. There it is, man. You know? And um, after that, the guy calls me back the next day, like the lawyer or whatever. And um, he's like, man, I don't know what you told that judge, but he had to change a heart. He's going to send you to rehab. He's going to give you a chance. No shit. And that's all I needed, man. All I needed was just somebody to believe in me and give me a chance instead of keep correcting me to do something else. You so, know? The, so the judge gave you a chance. So the judge gave me a chance. And that was the only time I've ever asked for a chance or a break or anything. Other time, I've always did time for it and got out and kept doing the same crap, you know. Um, cause that's what you do. You get stuck in a cycle and you keep doing all that, you know, and that's all that, you know, after you do it for so long, you know, um, I think I'm getting way off topic here. No, that's all right. That's fine. This is the short story long. So. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely going there. <clears throat> um, and, and so afterwards it was just like, uh, it, it was a life change. And I knew that like, if I had a chance, I could do something else with my life, you know, and I got out of the places that I was at, just hung around the same people, playgrounds and places i got away from all that stuff i cut all the toxicity out of my life i got away from it all and i gave myself a chance um and it turned out pretty good so far you know um but anyway long story short i get to selling cars um saturday super busy on the lot nobody to say hi to any customers and they're like hey new guy get your ass out here and come say hi you know i'm like I'm sitting there trying to like learn all the videos and the right words right, to right. say yeah, and all how, that stuff. How many cubic feet the back of this SUV has compared to the competitor? Yep, all the boring stuff nobody wants to mm -hmm. hear, you know. And uh, so anyway, I go out there and I'm like, dude, I don't know anything to say, you know. Like, what the hell do I do? And he's like, just go out there and say hi to the guy, you know. We'll take care of the rest. And I go out there and ended up selling the dude a truck. Nice. You know, had no idea. Like he bought it. I remember to this day, man, it was like a 17 brand new Ram Laramie Bighorn. Um, the kid was, um, he, he went to school at U of I, big outdoorsy guy. And he was just like, dude, this is going to pull my boat so much. And I didn't know anything about the truck. I was still going through training and learning videos and stuff, right. you know? Yeah. I'm like, why the hell did they hire me? I don't know anything <laughs> about this stuff, you know? And, um, the dude's like, yeah, screw it, man. Let's do it right now. I'm like, okay. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'll, we'll do that, you know? And um, mind you, okay, I have, I've been working minimum wage all my life. Um, my background has always put me towards um, not getting the best jobs, you know? And so I just didn't feel like I had a chance in life. And that day I sold the car and I came and the sales manager came back and like, all right, <laughs> so I'm in the middle of the showroom, and there's like all these customers, and I'm like sitting there, and he brings me in the commission slip, and he's like, "Here you go, man. You know, uh, go enjoy yourself a nice steak dinner." And I seen the slip, and it's like more than I've made in my entire like eighty work week, eighty hour work week or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit! In the middle, of the <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the showroom, and the manager's like, "Get over here." He's like dude, act like you've done this before. You're a professional. <laughs> yeah. And right then it changed my mind of like, it doesn't matter what you've done in life. It matters what you're doing now. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
you know, and it just kind of brought me to like the the thought that, hey, man, maybe this is my way out. So uh, I don't want to interrupt you here, but I'd oh, like to, good. I'd like to circle back. I know you know his name. Tell me who the name of that sales manager that bought you that that shirt and tie. Brian Sexton. Okay, so I'm mean, got he was probably a sales manager was in charge of hiring you as a uh, intern or whatever they call you. Yeah, him him and Jake Hendershot. So shout out to Jake. He's in Florida selling RVs right now. Okay, that, that dude taught me the car business. So big shout out to him. So so take us back to that day. Okay, go like you're walking into Coles. And he's like, dude, you need to be professional. Take us, take us to that day. Okay. So I was, like I said, I was rough around the edges, sure. you know, um, went through like a decade of addiction and incarceration. So just rough around the edges. The way I talked to people was just really blunt. Um, it was just, it was a kind of like a tear jerking moment, honestly, when I was walking in there and just like, somebody believes in me, somebody's giving me an opportunity, you know? And I didn't know anything about like dressy stuff or anything. All I wore yeah. was like the chains and the fitted caps. And yeah. I thought I was this big dealer and all that stuff, you know? <laughs> and um, he just went there and he's like, you know, he's like, I'm like, dude, thank you so much. You have no idea what this means. You know, I'll get you back on the next check. I promise I'll pay you back. He's like, I'm not worried about it. And I'm not worried about it. So like what I'm trying to get, on this is like how potentially insignificant a $40 shirt and tie was for that sales manager. I mean, that was a, his lunch that day probably cost more than that. Yeah. But to Cody, that $40 shirt and tie was the, the genesis of what became your career. And like you said, like the judge gave you a chance and you found God in the Bible on that, on that foot cart there. And like, that was the key, the turning point. And now all you need is just somebody else. Like the judge gave you a chance, someone else, like just being a human to another human, like got you, bro. Like it was, may have been underhand at the time. Like you dumbass, I have a freaking shirt. Like, come on, I'll get you a damn shirt. And like I said, nothing to him, but that shirt and tie, like I could tell when you, when the first time you said that, like, it meant something to you. I could see it in your eyes. It, it meant something to you that somebody, you know, and not to put words in your mouth or anything, but like, like a guy like me, you're, you're, you're going to do that for me, for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, like that, that rings home to me, like on a whole nother level, like you have no idea. So I just wanted to circle back and, and emphasize that for you. So, so were you, were you, <clears throat> were you, you had mentioned like, you know, you're in county and then a halfway house and you're selling, um, you know, yard service and then applied for the job. Like, how did all that work together? Were you like going to work during the day and then going back to jail at night or how, how did that? Okay. Fall? So I guess I need to backtrack a little bit. Long story short, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Short story long. Yeah, we got to fill this air with something. So, yeah. okay. So here's what happened is after I got out of rehab, um, I burned all my bridges. I couldn't go back to anybody. I, I was homeless. I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, and uh, there's a recovery program called See You at Home um, that take people in from rehab and then they house them. Um, they give them a place to sleep and their job is their job is to get a job okay and go to recovery meetings Which and is help it, is help it's like up by champagne champagne okay gotcha yep um so that's where i went to get some help at and um 
I was I went and got a job. Actually, I was working at Buffalo Wild Wings, um, spinning wings, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, I was just happy because I was out and I wasn't addicted to drugs. I was doing good. I was sober and clean, you know. And, um, and this was after the Bible, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I've always grew up with God. I just kind of ran away from him from a little bit. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I mess up here and there. I'm not the first to, I'm not going to throw Jesus down your throat or anything, but uh, it's what took me what I needed, you know, to sure, get the help. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings and I still kind of had this bad like ego towards me. So like, I thought that place wouldn't run if... If I wasn't there. Oh, yeah. And I found out. Ain't nobody going to spin wings like me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Damn straight. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting my last paycheck there, you know, because they don't need my services anymore. Right. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I kind of like had a gut check. Like, Cody, you need to you need to chill out a little bit. You know, you're in society here. Um, And. I was going to these outpatients, so, like, you go in and, like, they kind of, like, check in with you on counseling and see how you're doing and everything. Yeah. Well, I was talking to this lady. She's she's dead now, uh, Shelly Griffith. We called her LG. And uh, she worked at this place called Royal Publishing. And so Royal Publishing was, it's like a telemarketing firm that um, places at, so when you go to, like, big sporting events and stuff like that in yeah. the local community, and they have them hand out those flyers with the businesses mm-hmm. um, supporting them and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was selling those ad spaces to the businesses. To the businesses. Okay. Because I worked at Yellow Book. Yep. Right. So I had a little previous experience there. And she's like, man, you can talk to anybody. You should get into sales, you know? And I'm like, right. I'm like, hell, man, I just got fired from Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll try anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, seriously, she's like, come in, talk to my manager. So I went and talked to him. He kind of he went down the same path also. You know, and um, so he hired me, gave me a good job, and um, I did pretty well there. So um, that's where I got into recovery and stability and learning that, like, there's a different way of life and picking up good habits, stuff like that. Um, So I worked there, and then they had these little, like, I don't know, vacation things if you won for the year or, like, salesman of the month, so you get to go to some hotel that they paid for and all that stuff it was nice it was pretty cool you know but i got to see a different side of life Mm -hmm. again you know what i mean like Like, work and reward for okay yeah exactly like hey man my efforts can be rewarded you know um and so that kind of like kept me going i met a guy there he was actually the he left and went to the weed man spot he was the, the legal, the legal weed man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the legal, legal one. Um, so he found the spot, and um, he just called me up. I was like, "Hey, man, are you tired of there?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, there's some stuff that kind of bothers me, you know." And he's like, "Why don't you come over here?" And uh, everything was like copacetic. We were awesome until like my kid had some complications, and I'm sorry, but family comes before money, comes For before sure. anything else, you know. Um, so that was just my my standpoint on it he didn't like it so we parted ways and then i ended up in the car business good deal which you you talking about a a sick child i heard something one time they were talking about you know if you're the best soccer player in the world and your kid gets sick you don't care about soccer anymore and i believe that yeah absolutely i mean it's like you're responsible for another human being you got to make sure they stay alive and 
you know, they mm-hmm. excel and maybe you can give them a life better than where you were coming from. So, yeah. And, and you were talking about like, you've seen a different way of life. I've, I've never experienced anything like you have as far as, um, you, you know, darkness and stuff like that. But from what I can see growing up, you know, outside looking in a lot of people don't know that their life doesn't have to be that, that way. You know, they, they don't realize that, that I heard a quote one time. It was, uh, some people's dreams aren't bright enough to get them through the darkness of life. And I think that affects a lot of people. So what you're saying, like you're saying that there's, there's a lot of people in a dark place that don't, don't know they don't have to be right. That there, that there is a better option that they can pull themselves up by the bootstraps or whatever. And life is all kind of life is all about the angle of how you look at things too. Okay. You you can take a situation and look at it from a bunch of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something could happen to you and you could be like, well, you know, I got screwed over, you know, your victim mentality versus your, well, that's that, that's that Joe Rogan did a, he talked about that Japanese parable about the man, uh, the rice farmer or whatever that his kid broke his leg and right. that, that there's like a whole long, like, well, that's unfortunate. He goes, well, is it? And then like 10 different things happen. Like is, well, that's unfortunate. Like, well, is it? And then he ended up, the son didn't have to go to war or whatever. And it was like a, yeah, he broke his, broke his leg and they're like, that's terrible. And he's, you know, it was like, but is it? Yeah. And yeah. Then, so yeah. So anyway, all, all, like, all so, that. So back to Cody, I back, guess. Back to Cody, yeah. So what, what <laughs> took you from the Champagne location back to Effingham? Uh, so when I said my kid had complications, um, I was in recovery. I met a girl that was in recovery. Okay. Um, I found out whenever she gave birth that she wasn't as sober as she said she was. Okay. Um, so my kid was born with addiction. Um, Absolutely. And withdrawals. And I just... I'm from Altamont originally, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I uh, kind of did my due diligence. I just miss my family, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't want to be somewhere where... Um, no support. No support. Yep, yep exactly. Um, and then, you know, my mouth always gets the best of me sometimes. Okay. So I Sam's to- got that problem. <laughs> 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 Diarrhea of the mouth is what that's called. I uh, just need to know when to learn to shut up sometimes, but... It's, it's going to happen one of these days, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I tried to help this kid out, and um, he told my sales manager I was trying to help him out, get him more money. So I got let go of at the other job because of that, selling cars. So I was pretty much like, well, I don't work at a dealership anymore. Um, the girl I thought I was going to marry did not become the person I am going to marry. hoping for. Yeah. was hoping for. And um, I really miss my family. So I need to move back home and um, figure out who the hell I am again. Okay. You know? And um, so I had an old, old finance manager, uh, Brandon Ball, shout out. I think he's at Carmack Cars in Hyundai now um, in Danville. But he was a finance manager and he's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that um, I think you got some talent and I'd like to hire you over at Pilsen's if you want to come over there with me. And I'm like, well, dude, okay. I really need a job. Um, so he had to get things going. I went to Wapaka mm-hmm. um, for, I don't know, 
grateful that they hired me, but I got my first paycheck. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going back to selling cars. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know? I have a feeling that's how I would be if I ever like quit the sales thing. Yeah. 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 And manual labor just wasn't for me, I guess. But um, <laughs> so afterwards, I went there to Pilsen's. It just kind of sucked because Pilsen's a good, it was a good spot for me, but just the commute, you yeah. know, 45 minutes, I was waking up. Um, telling my kids good morning and I was telling them good night when I got home, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, there was no time for family. Um, like I said, and then I kept reaching out, um, to Dan Hecht during that time. Um, and I was just like, man, I, I, I really want to be home. I want to be closer, you know? And they're like, no, absolutely not. You got a bad background, you know, blah, blah, blah. And did, I, had, I had to get past, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Uh, did, did you know somebody there or like what, like, what, why Dan Hecht and not like Roy Schmidt or Geckner or any of the other? So my ex-girlfriend that I was with, um, her parents, uh, they knew okay. the Hecht pretty well. Gotcha. Um, so they kind of like got me into the door uh, sure. with everything. And, you know, I think I kind of proved myself from there and I'm, I'm still there. Yeah. As Ken Coleman says, it's it's not what you know, it's who you, it's know. Who you the, know. The proximity principle is a... Um, it's, I mean, I'd let you borrow the book if you want it, but it's, I mean, you, you know, everything that's in it, but it basically outlines like, if you want to do something, don't go at it directly, go at it to the people that are in the space that you want to be in. So that, that's, was kind of what I was wondering was, was there something specific about Dan Heck that drove you to it? And it was because you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew that they could get you in or whatever. Yeah. Honestly, dude, I hit up every dealership I could think of like in, in the radius of Effingham and like nobody would call me back, I, but I was leaving like stupid voice messages. Like, <laughs> are you ready for a rock star? <laughs> Sunday, 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 Sunday. The more you buy, the more you save. Or you always get a free onion. <laughs> yeah, stupid stuff like but that. But anyway, yeah. call me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I just never got anything. I'm like, screw it, man. And and then I finally got an objection. I'm like, screw this. Like, other than this, this factor here, is there any reason I can't work here? He's like, come on in, man. Let's see. You know, he's like, you've been persistent. You've been following up for a month straight, you know, harassing me. Well, you're see selling. What, see what you're made of. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like we got to get past the the no, cause then we'll get to the yes. So there you go. Um, that's, that's kind of where I went to it. And then I've, I've been there ever since they've treated me pretty good. So that's awesome. Yeah. So were you selling cars during the pandemic then? Uh, yes. Yes, I was. Um, I started the car business before the pandemic and, uh, there was a lot more cars on the lot. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot less cars on the lot now. Yeah. So it makes a little bit difficult, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. We kind of ran into that at Jedco too. You know, somebody would, I had one customer order 500, uh, crew neck sweatshirts for Christmas to give out to the employees. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good order, you know? Yeah. Couldn't find 500 crew neck sweatshirts anywhere shortages of them yeah that was like you know about i don't know 10 months into covid and there was just nothing out there like to even sell so it was crazy makes it hard to sell stuff that's right makes it hard to make a living and that's why i I always people get mad when when something like that happens and people like inflate their prices like the car dealers would inflate their prices but to me I'm like if you've only got one car to sell instead of 20 like you got to make some money on that car to, otherwise you're not in business anymore. Yep. And if someone's willing to pay it then 
you know, people get all upset about that whole thing, but I, I kind of see it from a different angle. I, I can understand that point, but also it's like, what do you do with that customer when they come to trade their car in? Also, you know what I mean? You're putting them in a bad financial spot to start out mm-hmm. with, you know, paying five, 10 grand over sticker for a car. Like, obviously it's, it's not going to be worth over five or 10 grand over sticker, you know? Right. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, so obviously inventory has been the major struggle for the past three years. Uh, on new vehicles, like the whole thing a year ago was the microchip shortage and like things of that nature. And I know personally at Gechner Brothers, they're selling new vehicles with only one key fob. Like, we'll get you back for the second one. Like, are, are you seeing that with Chevy and Toyota also? Or is, is stuff coming back? Is it staying kind of stagnant? Where are we at as far as new vehicle supply chain uh, from what you see, your perspective? From from what I see, I mean, new new Toyotas are coming with one key fob. Um, Chevy, they've been pretty decent about the two key fob thing, but yeah, that's, that's a big thing. I mean, it's just all the chip shortages for everything. And you know, everything's outsourced to a a third world country right now also. So, I mean, we're kind of biting the bullet with what we get in and what we can manage to have also, you know, as far as inventory. How, how often do you say you get, shipments of new cars then i mean it seems like it used to be every week a truck would show up i i mean i'd see snapchats from like oh here's a whole carload of or truckload of corvettes or whatever just something neat but you know it seems like the car haulers aren't aren't at, aren't at dealerships as much as they used to be is it is it trending upwards is it staying the same where, where are we at as far like are we getting or are we on the other side of this yet, I guess is my question. Are we are we working through it, or is it going to be a problem for years to come, or what are we thinking? You know, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's kind of, I guess it's a new normalcy, but I feel like uh, inventory is coming in a little bit more than it used to. Obviously, people are back. You know, there's people in factories. They're working, doing their jobs. Um, so they're they're coming in more plentiful, but it's, it's still pretty scarce. I mean... As far as trucks coming in, I don't know, two, three months, it seems like, you know, mm-hmm. um, we might see a new shipment every month, but it's not like it used to be weekly coming in, you know, might see one come in and it's only one coming in, but right. you know, yeah, no, for sure. So what's your, what's your favorite, hold on, how would I want to put this? What's your favorite, uh, sales story? Like where you were just like, you just remember it. Like you love telling the story. Like this guy came in and you know, was being difficult and I sold him or something like that. Do you have anything? This one time this jackass showed up with a bag full of hundred dollar bills and bought a C8 Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was not, a fanny pack. Actually. Oh, damn it. It was a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out a hundred gang cash isn't really as big as you'd hope. <laughs> um, Honestly, man, the thing that hits me the most is probably my first car sale just because of the fact that this kid was, he was um, from, what, Asia, you know? So he was the outdoorsy kid, you know? Um, He said that, you know, he'd show up to car lots and nobody would respect him or give him the time of day because they'd think that he'd have to check with his parents across the countries or whatever like that. And, uh, Dude, he had cash on him, like ten grand in a safe box, like ready to buy the truck. You know, nice. he was like, he's like, I just needed somebody to come out and say hi to me. You know, he said I already knew all about the truck, I knew everything about it, I knew how much it was going to tow my boat. He said I asked you a couple questions to make sure you wouldn't lie to me, to make sure I was doing the right thing. But other than that, 
He said it was kind of like I was already buying the truck today. It was here on the lot. It's the one I wanted. You weren't an asshole, you know. So he's like, I, I want you to have the sale, you know. I'm like, and you're like, shit, I was about to be an asshole to this guy. <laughs> like, Thank God. Hero, how can I help you? <laughs> uh, and you don't want to like look in their eyes, obviously, too. I guess that's a sign of disrespect. And they're. Uh, culture. No, okay, okay. So I did not know that. So my sales manager let me do that for like the first 90 days. Um, and then they would just walk off every single time. And then I stopped looking them in the eye and then started buying Jeeps from me. I'm like, oh, okay. I, so I started, know. started picking it's it up. Interesting. Yeah. Did not I know that. ramen for the last two where months. Where it's a sign of respect in our culture, you know, to look, look a guy in his eye, you know, and that's interesting. Yep. So that's your pro tip from the short story long podcast there today. There you go. Don't don't look an Asian in the eyes. <laughs> oh, unless you want to disrespect his family, yeah. then go for it. Yeah. Oh, do you have any uh, uh, difficult customer stories? Um, the names can be changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, this one guy came in with hundred thousand cash. <laughs> Anybody that walks in and rubs their belly button and says, who wants to sell me a truck today? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Do they call you a hoss, too? <laughs> oh, shoot. That's sport. I think it's sport. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. Sport. <laughs> so, oh, that guy's not buying anything that day, is he? So, so, I guess, like, give us some, like, inside baseball here. So, like... A guy walks onto the lot, and there's what six salesmen at Dan Heck. Like, is it just whoever gets there first? Is there a rotation? Like, how do you pick? We've got eleven guys, I think, there um, okay. right now, and it's really kind of like, who's the hungriest? Who's the fastest? And you look like you're pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> I stay out on the lot all day, man. I don't wait for. I don't want to die by the door, you know. So okay, I want to be out there and prospect and saying hi to people as soon as they show up. I don't. I don't like to be like too salesy with anybody because I just just rubs me the wrong way saying sales anyway, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like have them feel like they gotta take a bath when they leave. Okay. You right. know. Uh, but just hey, I'm here. My name's Cody. I'm here to help you. If you got any questions, you know, I'll be over there or whatever. Yeah. What are you looking to find? You know, because it's it's a huge purchase, man. Honestly, if you think about it, it's like your second biggest purchase of your life, typically. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and I, there's so many stories where people have been burned in the past or they've went through some things and, you know, they just got a bad experience. And yeah. so I'm trying to, honestly, I got in the car business to change that because even my mentality when I was applying to be a car salesman was like, oh, gross, like a car salesman? Yeah. Like, okay. How far did you go down in life? You know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did I do wrong? But uh, it's... It's changed my life, man, and it's it's cool helping people solve problems. That's really what it is. Okay, yeah, you absolutely. Know, there's there's a problem, and you got to figure out the way to solve it. That's kind of the root of all sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's funny you, you mentioned like you know difficult customers or whatever, and I, I don't know. Uh, maybe Dozer's kind of like the happy medium here because he does both. But when you were selling Yellow Book, like you, your primary focus was call people who didn't want to talk to you and sell them right whereas now anybody you're gonna see and you know interact with on a daily basis is there to buy a car like the reason We're that interested you, in it yes yeah, like the come like on the, yes like the, like the reason that you're interacting with this person is that they are there looking at what you're selling and i'm the same way like when i've got a customer on my truck like he came out there to look at tools like 
you know, I didn't just you. go pick a random dude and be like, hey, you need, you should buy my product, like a rainbow vacuum, you know, or whatever, <laughs> like going door to door, like, hey, let me clean your carpets or whatever. So, you know, going from the, I'm calling someone who doesn't want to talk to me and trying to get them to spend money to these people are here to see me, maybe not me specifically, but everyone here is here for me to talk to. And whereas like Dozer's position is people that come there and call him for products are, you know, they're, they want to buy Huggies. Like that's why they're calling them. But then on the, the flip side of that, like you're going out and cold calling, trying to get people in there to buy your promotional products. So it's like maybe like a kind of a both, both and kind of situation. Well, I always just viewed the cold calling as fishing. Okay. Every time you go cold call somewhere, it's like throwing your lure in the water. Okay. And you just never know when you're going, you're going to get a bite and you may get a big one. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay. That's a good attitude to have. And yeah. unlike fishing though, sometimes you can throw that lure in the water and it might sit there for two years mm-hmm. and then they might bite. Okay. Uh, I, one of my biggest customers, I cold called and two years later they called me, said, Hey, I still got your business card in my desk. We're not happy with the guy we've been using. We'd like to give you a try. And nice. so you just, you just never know, you know, when you put yourself out there, what's going to happen. For sure. Yeah. So. I think more yeah. than anything, you just want to be the expert, you know? So then when that time is right for them, they knew who to go to, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're going to answer their questions. There's no high pressure involved. It's just, you're just helping people. Sam, have you ever read Seller Be Sold? I've listened to oh, Seller listen Be to Sold. It? Yeah. I, my favorite part about that was always give people a price. Okay. Yeah. Because I've experienced that myself in life. You know, I'll be looking at something like, oh, I can't afford that. And then they tell you the price like, oh, that was a lot cheaper than I thought it was going to be. I mean, with, like a, with the watch or whatever yeah. was this, that was the example in the yeah, book. Like right? A perfect example is we've kind of been needing a new copy machine at work. Yeah. And I thought a copy machine was like three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. Okay. And so we've just been putting it off, putting it off. Like the, the one we've got now sounds like there's two cats in it fighting. Um, <laughs> every, and, and so I, I talked to our computer people and had me answer some questions. You know, how much do you do a day? What kind of quality do you need? Blah, blah, blah. And sent me a quote, 800 bucks. Nice. And I was just like, I, I had no, you know, I did not think they were that reasonable. We lease ours at, at lease tool sales. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know how it works, but they, they supply everything. They, they bring it there and they put ink in it or they don't put ink in it, but they send us ink like, mm-hmm. Hey, toner's getting low and they'll send it to us. So it's kind of neat. I don't know what it costs, but apparently is the most cost effective way that we could do it, which we do a lot of high gloss color, like for flyers. Like and those stuff. flyers you leave me and you print on the backside of your receipts. So the receipt backers are, they come to us, but we make our own sometimes. We don't do it as much as we should for having legitimately probably a $5,000 copier in the office, but we didn't pay that for it. We just lease it. So speaking of leasing, (laughs) so I, I, I have no skin in this game, but talk to me about buying versus leasing a vehicle. Okay. I knew that was going to come up. Um, so here's the thing. I think the worst part about it is, is that some salespeople aren't educated okay. about going over leasing with customers. So it kind of puts them at a, uh, a fear point, right? Of like, well, I don't want to rent this car, okay, you mm-hmm. know, but at the end of the day, are you really renting it? 
because it whether you do it for two years or three years, obviously as long as you stay within that mileage parameter. Yep. If you don't like that car at the end of your two or three years, which is a typical trade cycle for somebody buying a car anyway. Okay. You don't ever have to worry about being upside down, right? If your car's mm-hmm. not worth, or maybe the market crashes, or maybe it goes up. Either way, it's not going to matter because whenever you lease the car, the residual's right there. When you're signing the paperwork, you're going to know what it's worth um, at the end of your contract. Okay. Okay. So from from my standpoint or my opinion on it, um, I would try to push leasing as much as possible because you never have to worry about repairs. It's a brand new car. Um, your payments are usually lower than a purchase price. Um, and at the end of the day, the bank owns your car, even if you're making payments on it. Okay. So I would, me, I'm kind of bougie. So I like to get the newest stuff every two or three years. And that's the route for me to go because if I don't like that car that I was leasing out, I can just turn in the keys and give me something something brand new and give me something, see what else we got in store. So, so for a guy who's going to make that car payment and there's millions of people in this world that like I pay $750 a month for a car and it, it, this is just what they pay. That's average. That's an average car payment right now is around 700. So for them that, you know, like if, if I'm going to buy a brand new pickup truck for $90,000 and pay 800, 900 bucks a month for it, or I could lease it, and at the end of the three years, I know that I turn it back in, and I can go get another one and keep my car payment versus like trade that truck back in, and now it's only worth sixty thousand, and I'm ten thousand dollars upside down in it. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and I'm still paying another. I've got. I don't know how far you take out the loan or whatever, you know. But I mean, the cars don't appreciate. You know, they're not houses, so. Right. Um, but I guess if you really love the car, you know, but just from what I've seen, a lot of people trade them in that three or four year, your mark and they get something different and they, there's not much really invested in their car that they're going to the next one. They kind of wash out their loan, you know, mm-hmm. that's just what I've seen. And I know some people like business wise, businesses kind of like leases because like you say, it's a known expense. Mm-hmm. instead of just guessing and and stuff like that i know a lot of people like a lot of businesses do it because it's easier to plan and predict and and know what your costs are and you can write it off too at the end of the year so i mean that's another big part of it and then you said maintenance is included in that too well i mean i guess it just depends like for toyota brand you know obviously they got the two-year um no cost maintenance plan on there for okay. toyota care but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you're paying for what an oil change or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. If you buy a used car, I mean, obviously there's there's some risk behind that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Somebody else has sat in the seat already. So if you make that purchase, you're and you don't buy a contract or something, you're kind of that's your car. You own it. You know. Do you sell service contracts too? Then, as like as the car, your your job as a car salesman, or is that in the finance department they sell that? So that's completely the finance department. Okay. You know, we've got people that are experts they've been in the business for decades that's their job that's their job you sell the car they get it financed and they deal with all that like you just got to get them to commit to the car and the finance office does the rest right exactly yep so i've got a friend that uh worked in finance for a car dealership Uh here locally and he said that was the worst part because your salesman spends his whole time telling the person how good of a 
how reliable this is. And then they come in here and, he, and then you got to tell them about how much it's going to break and they well, need this. Congratulations you know, on your purchase. This thing is a freaking piece of shit. Yeah, did you know, if, if the radio goes out and this, it's $10,000. And they're just like, oh my gosh. He's like, yeah, it's not always, you know. It's that would be a terrible job. That would be awful. Yeah. Well, uh, Cody told me this was a good car. Oh, well. <laughs> that lion son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. yeah. Don't even want to shake my hand when they get out yeah, of the car. Like, like, yeah, you guys. Fuck that guy. Can't even look him in the eyes. Uh, whether that's disrespectful or not, who knows? So I have a feeling I can say somebody's name and make Cody cringe. Okay. Dave Ramsey. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh he yes. cringed. He cringed. So, I don't know. I mean, I, Dave Ramsey's got a good plan as far as, like, getting your finances established or however, but cars aren't what they used to be either. I mean, I know, I just don't know people that save up 40 or 50 grand to pay cash for a car, and that's, you know, obviously family vehicles these days, that's what they run is 40 or 50 grand, you know? Um, that's what houses used to cost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the housing market too, you know, who's mm-hmm. sitting around with 200 grand. To... So, so me and Sam are Dave Ramsey people. Okay. And, and I will say, you know, I'm Dave gone. Ramsey, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's out of here. <laughs> See ya. Been nice talking to you. So, uh, I even taught financial peace university once or maybe twice. So I was big, like no car payment, no this, no that, you know, and, uh, I had a car dealer give me Dave Ramsey. Yes. So I, I, without a doubt can say I am is sitting as good as I am in life because of Dave Ramsey. Like we budget every month still, we know what we spend, what we have extra to put towards stuff. But you know, like say on his, some of his stuff is so ultra conservative, you know, when you don't have any risk, there's not much reward. And I kind of had an aha moment that, uh, uh, I, I, one of my acquaintances, you know, has a nice car and like, oh, well, they make payments on it. You know, I guess that's just what some people do. They make payments and some people save up like me. And it kind of hit me. I was like, I'm not saving up for my next car. You know, I'm, I'm not putting money aside every month for another car. So it, uh, it just goes back to life is all about the angle you look at it, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, anyway. Dave Ramsey buys new cars though. Yeah, but I guarantee yeah. you he pays cash for him. Well, yeah, but he's got a lot more money than you and me. <sighs> That's probably true. I just I can't do the rice and bean burritos and ramen noodles anymore, you know. Like I gotta have a steak dinner every once in a while. So I will say that uh, I uh uh we did do Dave Ish when we were getting out of debt. We still went to a restaurant and st- you know, it's just mm-hmm. budgeted in. I M H O. Yeah. Uh for a single guy, it's cheaper to go to a restaurant. Oh, I, when I when I was broke, getting out of debt, I I, I ate tacos on Tuesday because they were ninety nine cents. I ate McDonald's dollar menu. I ate Wendy's four for four. You can't buy groceries as cheap as you can eat fast food. Uh, yep. So, <clears throat> do you listen to any of Alex Hormozzi stuff? I don't even know. Okay, I haven't heard of him. So he he uh, he ran started a company called Gym Launch. So he would come in to a gym that was struggling and get it turned around and 
he kind of built that business up and now he does that to like other, like all kind of different companies. So like if you have a company you're doing like 1 million a year and you're struggling to get over that hump, he'll come in, help you get it, you know, over that hump to 10, 15, $20 million, you know, a year business. But he says, if you make over $15 an hour, it's cheaper for you to go out to eat than to make your own food. I mean, I don't not know. cheaper, but like your money ahead, but that's assuming that you're working that whole time. It's, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, groceries are just as close as going out to eat and you don't have to clean it up. Yeah. Groceries are nuts, you know, and, and you can do it different. You know, there's a, there's four or five nights a week at different restaurants in town. Kids eat for free. So we went to Niemerg's me, my wife and four kids ate for like $23. Mm-hmm. So, what night is that? Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night at Niemerg's. All right. And then B-dubs on Wednesdays is like, used to be like $2 and 50 cents for a kid's meal. And then Dairy Queen kids eat free on Tuesday nights. I think maybe Thursdays. Like you can get pretty strict. Like it's like almost on the verge of extreme couponing, but it's, it's a thing. And there's no cleanup, no mess afterwards. You just eat and go. Yeah. So. I, uh, I, I, I want to ask, um, a question, but I'm not sure you even want to answer it, but I would ask Sam this too, cause Sam maybe runs in this just as much as selling stuff to people that, you know, probably shouldn't be buying it. Do you have any? Okay. So you're saying like a customer says, uh, I want this toolbox. Yes. And I know that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be buying it because right. of. Now, now he told you last week his electricity <clears throat> got shut off. So, 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 so then in, in my line of work, like does show, I need to know, should he not be buying it because of financial reasons that I can see or for personal reasons that he's told me about, because it's okay. different. Like if, you know, you come on the truck and you buy a new toolbox, like I'm happy to sell it to you. Like I, I want to sell the thing. Like I'm not your mom, you know, buy exactly. you want, you're an adult. Well, then there's, I just found out he went through a divorce and he, you know, just whatever, just bought a new truck and, and blah, blah, blah. Like it's kind of a red flag. Like what's this guy doing? Because in my line of work versus Cody's line of work, once the sale's done, it's up to the, the customer what happens. Mm-hmm. But in my line of work, after the sale, I only get paid when that customer makes his payment. So I need to be conscious enough to know like what his financial responsibility is both with me and outside of work. And I have legitimately multiple times I've sat down with customers and done monthly budgets with them and told them like, this is what you have to work in order to make enough money to pay your rent and your utilities and to eat and to pay me. You know, what are you paying the other tool truck? What are you paying on credit cards? I've given the total money makeover to a few customers. Like guys that do the credit card game. Like I know people who do the credit card game and they swap 0% to 0%. And if you're good, you can do that. But if you're an idiot, (laughs) it goes bad in a hurry. And like in a hurry. And I've got a guy that I just the other day we were talking about it. And he used, he, he said something and I knew that his car was paid off, but I had forgot that it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, car payment. And he's like, nope, 
Car's paid off, and I don't have to pay child support anymore. I bring home $950 more a month than I did two years ago, and I'm broker now than I've ever been because he thought he needed a credit score to get ahead in life. So he signed up for like 15 credit cards. And I'm like, bro, no. Like, you cannot be doing that. So like, through Snap-on, I can, you know, extend him credit through Snap-on's credit division. And typically, if I do that for like a young guy especially, they have a system where they charge you an obscene amount of interest, but... They report on your credit so heavily every single week that it builds your credit just as fast as anything else, if not faster, depending on the guy. So I've got guys that come out of bankruptcy, come out of divorce, you know, young kids, 18 years old, they want to build their credit. You buy a toolbox, pay 50 bucks a week on it, and your credit in 12 months is just light years better than it was. And in this guy's case, like his credit's not getting any better, not getting any better, not getting any better. And I'm like, dude, like, let's look at your freaking credit karma real fast. And like, what's this? That's a $200 credit card. What's this? A $300 payday loan. What's it like? Come on, man. Like, you know, you don't owe that much money, but you owe it to so many different people. You've got 14 people saying you're a bad credit E when you really own, I mean, five grand would clear everything up, but you've got 14 negatives on your credit. Everyone thinks on the credit side of things that you're just a no good piece of shit. But I know that you make your tool payment every week and you do your best to pay all these 14 credit cards. But at some point you got to pay your light bill. You got to pay your house. You got to, you know, got to eat. So I guess to circle back to your question, my strategy for that, if I don't want them to buy it as I make the payment so outrageous that they take, they talk themselves out of it. Like, bro, you can have this toolbox. Like I want to sell you this toolbox, but either you need to pay me $500 a week or I'm going to need like four grand down on this $5,000 toolbox. <laughs> and they're like, uh, I can wait on the toolbox. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's typically my, so you just say no with the price. Yes, exactly. Because I have that power. Like I can, I can show them any payment terms that I want to show them. Cause I am the sell side and the finance side. So I can show them like, Here's a payment term, you know, a 91 week payment term is going to be a much higher weekly payment than a 156 week payment term. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, that, that's my personal strategy. I don't, did you want to answer the question, Cody? Um, I, I just, I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, I'm not putting a gun to their head. Uh I mean, you know, they're making an an adult decision. Um, if it's a bad car, I'm going to, I mean, I hope they don't hear this, but if it's a bad car, I'm not, I'm not going to sell it. I mean, okay. I'll, I will tell them to spend money elsewhere or I'll direct them towards a different car and try to point out the features or benefit of that one. Um, because at the end of the day, I want people to come back to me. I don't want them to be like, Hey man, no, I bought that car is a piece of shit. You know, I'm that guy didn't down, care about yeah. me. I'm upside down. You want them to be mad at the finance guy that sold them the protection package. They didn't have to use. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Like, that was a waste of money. This was a badass car. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You know? And like, I'm, I'm like I said, I mean, I guess at first when I started, I was like, it's all about getting the sale. It's all about selling the car. But then I'm like, it's a career, man. I yeah. want people to come back. Well, I, I want them to be happy. And, and I would say the word to describe what you're doing outside looking in is, is a brand. Absolutely. Like, it's a brand. 
Yeah. Your, your huggy's got CodyFraley.com on it. <laughs> so check that out. CodyFraley.com. I don't even have a website. Wow. What? Yeah, this podcast doesn't either. What the hell are we doing yeah, with we're our struggling. One? God dang it. All right. All right. That's going on the list. A podcast website. I don't know what will be on it. I guess but... we got one if you count Facebook. Sure. That doesn't count, though. Oh, anyway, you... Uh... So uh, one other question I was going to ask from your um, uh, not so straight and narrow days. Do you yeah. think there was any lessons that came out of that though, as far as helping you uh, uh, sell better or, or the way you look at life? Uh, you know, do you have any, any comment on anything like that? Oh yeah. I mean, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, everything that I learned um, about the, I don't know what you want to call it street street life whatever you know term mm-hmm. hustlers call it um i learned that if you help people get what they want they'll pay for it yeah that makes sense right um and then i've learned also that like i mean i've lived in some pretty rough places and figured out ways to survive you know mm-hmm. um and improvise and so it's kind of taught me like it, dude we have problems every single day there's always something going wrong but you know, in hindsight of things, if you think about other people, there's a lot better places that you are than there's some people out there right now. Oh, you know? for sure. We've talked that talked about that several times on here. So. And, and like gratitude is probably the most important thing I could bring back from those days is being grateful to have a place to sleep or have a meal. Um, there are some rough times. I'm not going to lie. I mean, but, you know, it also taught me, uh, I hate to say it, but like when I was in that whatever lifestyle um there's a lot of business ethics that you can take with it also as far as you've got a product you want to sell it you want to make money off of it you want to keep people happy you want to take care of them um just that's a really bad way of putting it i guess but no it's well yeah i mean a hundred percent when you're when you're talking about just the actual mechanics of sales you have a product you have a customer and everything in between is all the mechanics involved. And it doesn't matter if it's weed man or the weed man, it's all the same stuff. You know what I mean? So I I could, I mean, I would say I would agree with that fully like that, that part of it as dark or as bad or as illegal or whatever, as it was like it, it taught you some fundamentals that you probably still use this day. Yeah, absolutely. I help people get what they want. Yeah you know, solve problems. I mean, that's, I guess, I, I don't know. This is probably the most ghetto podcast you've probably had so far. I don't oh, know no. about We that. had Allie on there. She's she talking. got run over by a damn truck. Yeah. So. Have you ever been run over by a truck, Cody? No, no. See? All right. So. Don't want to either. So. Further ahead. <laughs> Maybe yeah. if you lease it. No. Hey, there we go. <laughs> that'd, so, be, that'd be a good YouTube short. You know, <laughs> Everybody loves like the rags to riches story. And, you know, there's always a common theme, you know, the people that grew up so poor, they couldn't pay attention, you know, and they, they got really successful and, you know, they almost use that as like a motivator. Like I'm, I'm never going back. Like I've been there and I'm not going back. And I feel like, you know, some people have never been there might get there because they don't, you know, might get to a bad place because they've never experienced it. Like, do you, is that like a, you think about it every now and again, like I got, you know, when it gets hard, like I, like I got to keep going because I ain't going back. Yeah. Um, I, I, so the way I learned how to grocery shop was commissary. 
Um, so they okay. they bring you a sheet, you know, when you're walked up or whatever, and you'd put out the stuff that you wanted, and then you'd go to the store or whatever, um, and they bring it to me. So that's that's how I grocery shop. So sometimes when I get down in the dumps and feeling bad about myself and poor me and victim mentality and mm-hmm. everything, I make a burrito, you know, um, to bring me back to. Hey man, this is where you were. Um, this is where you're at now. You're in your own kitchen, making your own food. Nobody's bringing it to you. You get to put on what you want. You know, it just mm-hmm. is a humbling moment. But at the same time, it's like, like I said, man, gratitude is the attitude. I mean, sometimes you just gotta be grateful for waking up, being able to see, being able to walk, being able to talk. I mean, there's people that just don't have that stuff. I mean, absolutely, yeah. Right. So what, what advice would you give to your, your younger self or somebody who was, uh, you know, younger, possibly, you know, in the same situation or headed to that? What, what would be like, if you could go back and talk to to younger Cody, what would you tell him? Don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I wish I could elaborate more, but that's, that's where my path went down. You know, um, you don't always have to try to fit in, just be who you are, you know? Um, sometimes you got to find out who you are by doing all that dumb shit. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, my personal outlook and mentality has changed drastically in the past three or four years. Um, I mean, I won't sit here on a high horse or a pedestal at all and tell you that I've never not like looked down on people who are addicted to substances. I used to think like, like it's a choice, right? It's a choice. It's not a disease, but I've been really, really refocusing my thought process. I listen to a lot of Dr. John Deloney. He's a, uh, he's a psychiatrist and he's like a double PhD and he's extremely smart. And instead of asking, why are you addicted to ABC? The question you should ask yourself in that situation is what happened to this individual that made them so either upset, scared, lonely, like what emotion, what happened to cause such an emotion that they felt like the only choice that they had was to do whatever negative illegal action. And like that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, like, you know, people who struggle with, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, people who have suicidal tendencies, like from, from a, you know, not to use this word the way I'm using it, but like from a place of privilege where I'm sitting, I mean, I did not choose to be a white American male that grew up in a complete nuclear family. Like I didn't choose that. I'm super grateful that I did, but realizing that in this world, there are people that don't have the things that I've had. And like, instead of looking at them as a, you know, why are you doing that? It is what caused you to think that you had to, you know what I mean? So like, when you say like, it's just as simple as don't do drugs, like it's not really that simple because I I mean, I don't know your story fully, but there's something to, I mean, not to go John Deloney on you, but something <laughs> happened to, uh, it's fine. It's fine. It, it, something happened to you that, and, and whether it was your childhood or something that you experienced growing up that, that brought you to the, the path, the, the fork in the road where it was like, I could do something that I don't have the tools to do, like to, you know, fix a relationship or, or, or seek out guidance from a mentor. Like, 
you didn't have the tools to do that. So the only other option you had was to, to seek out comfort from a substance. And like that, that type of outlook, I feel like if, if everybody just took a step back and started acting like, what was your guy's name up there in Champaign? Uh, Brian. If, if everyone would act a little bit more like Brian and instead of like looking down, like this kid just got a rehab, like screw this guy. Like I, I want a guy who went to Harvard and knows how to sell shit. Like if everyone acted a little bit more like Brian and thought, how can I use what I have that is trivial to me to help somebody else? Like I think a lot of the world's problems would be much less of a problem, I guess. So I don't know. That's my little soapbox for today. Yeah. It's, this is a psychology Sam hour. Yeah. <laughs> let's do question number nine. Let's, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. All right. What's your dream car, Cody? Um, okay. So it's probably uh, 392 scat pack. Okay. All right. Is. Um, I don't know if you can say that. We can, we, no, we can no longer can release this, this to your, okay, yeah. Let's rewind. Uh, a brand I said new Highlander. Chevy I said Highlander. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 392 scat pack. Hell yeah. Yeah. White knuckle paint. Um, I want the carbon fiber hood. I want the satin stripes. Um, it's like a $3,500 package. I want the Brembo brake system. Oh yeah. That's a sexy car. Um, with the red Alcantara suede, um, in it and it's got to have car play. Um, so that's probably it and i want to make sure i can get to what is it the kids appointments and all that stuff yeah on time, quicker so. yeah. yeah get home faster With spend more kids. time with your family that's yeah. right so <laughs> i want to be able to roast the tires um <laughs> kids love burnouts <laughs> they do kids do for sure <laughs> almost as much as they love the air horn of a semi yes that's my my like honestly i have no more life goals to achieve because i can honk at kids and do burnouts do burnouts yeah <laughs> right on well, you want to wrap this up? You got anything else? Uh, I guess uh, let's do like a little uh, Cody Fraley, Dan Heck commercial, like <laughs> where you always get a free onion. Like give us, give us the, give us the, uh, like give us your TV ad that you I, put out there. I, I don't really have one, man. Honestly, it's just kind of like uh, I'm here if you need me, you know, and uh, promise no high pressure. That's the thing that's kind of helped me soar is just being a person, you know? Yeah, I sell cars, but I'm your friend in the car business. Yeah. I guess that'd be my tagline. Okay. You know? So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you in the market for a Chevrolet or a Toyota or any used thing, you sell used cars, obviously, too. Yep. Um, reach out to Cody. Um, I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Yeah, You've had a great story. It. That's a, It's an honor to be here. I just I didn't want to be too rough with you guys or... We've oh, that's all right. We've experienced <laughs> yeah. it all, but hopefully, you know, maybe somebody will hear it and be inspired or, or whichever. Who knows? So yeah, CodyFraley.com. He's got his own website. I'm gonna have to check that out later. Um and uh I guess I don't really have anything else. So Cody again, thanks for joining us and, and uh trusting us with your story. And uh I mean if one person hears this and gets something out of it and turns their life around, I mean it'll be worth worth this whole thing. So um guys thanks for riding along with us and uh i guess we'll see you on the next one see you later guys all right see you soon every day i'm hustling 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 every day i'm every day i'm every day i'm hustling every day i'm hustling every day i'm hustling
suckers think you're tripping with Yes, I'm the boss 745, white on white, that's Rick Ross I cut them wide, I cut them long, I cut them fat I keep them coming back, we keep them coming back I'm in the distribution, I'm like Atlantic I got them pretty things flying across the Atlantic I know Pablo, Pablo Noriega, the real Noriega He owe me a hundred favors Petty player, we buy the whole thing. See, most of my homies hustle, they still do their thing. My roof back, roof back. My money ride. I'm on the pedal, show you what I'm running like. When they snatch black, I cry for a hundred nights. He got a hundred bodies serving a hundred lights. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. Never steal cars, but we deal hard. Whip it real hard. Whip it, whip it real hard. I call the charge. I call the charge. Whip it real hard. Whip it, whip it real hard. Ain't about no funny stuff. Still flipping them chickens. I'm on my money stuff. Still whipping them beans. Major league. Who catching because I'm pitching? Jose can say go just snitching because he finish. I feed them steroids to strengthen up all my chickens. They flying over Pacifics to be specific. Triple C's, you know it's fact. We hold it sex. So good and gone rat. Run and tell them that. Mo cars. Mo O's. Mo clothes. Mo blow. Every day I'm hustling. 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 Time to spend my thrills, custom spinning wheels. I ain't drove in a week, them shit is spinning steel. Talk about me, cause these suckers scared to talk about me. Killers talking about me, it ain't no talk about me. It ain't no walking around me. See all these killers around me, lot of drug dealing around me, going down in dead county. Don't talk no 22, Magnum cost me 22, sat it on her 22, birds go for 22. Lil' mama super thin, she say she 22, she seen them 22, we in room 222. I touch work like I'm convertible Burt, I got distribution so I'm converting to work, in the M.I.A. yo, switch off, steady slanging, my shit be banging, every day.